great pleasure each and every week to break down a horror movie of our pick for all of you boys and girls. But it isn't every week that we can say we're discussing a horror movie that's considered to be the greatest of all time. Now I'm not here to convince you that it is or it isn't, but we can't deny this movie from being at the forefront of that GOAT conversation. We're talking none other than William Freakin's 1973 film epic, The Exorcist, adapted from William Peter Blatty's novel. The impact of The Exorcist left shockwaves around the world shockwaves that left a giant crater that all of modern horror has lived in since. Whether you enjoy the film or not, you'd be hard-pressed to find a scary movie that created more controversy than this one. Let me put it to you this way. If the Pope is giving thoughts on your movie to the public, I think it's safe to say that you stirred shit up. There was a realism to The Exorcist. It played on real fears of battling one's faith, limitations of science and medicine, loss of a child, and if that's not enough for you, the devil himself makes an appearance. This isn't a fly-by-night exploit B-film. This is a full-length motion picture with rich acting and character development, a gorgeous low-light cinematography, intense terrors, and one of the best scores in film history. So take a look around. We're at the summit of horror. Many directors have tried to reach these heights and only a handful have made it. Crucifixes, altar boys, and pea soup will leave no spirits uncasted. So kindly undo these straps. The wait is over. Here is our take on The Exorcist. Boom! Welcome to the Sloppy Horror Podcast. I am your host and your scary movie companion, Christian Ramey. And back again for another week clapping them cheeks. The best producer in the whole wide world, Mr. Ozark Mark. Hey, Ozark. This is our last movie of the season, brother. Oh my goodness, is it really? Already? I am so sad. I hate goodbyes. I know. Oh, look, the one thing that Ozark and I are pretty good about is not taking very long breaks. I think our last one was like a week or two, and I assume our next break is going to be the same way. I don't know if our next season is going to be the season of sequels or if we're just going to dive into another quick season because there are some good holiday movies. But at the same time, Gremlins 2 is a sequel, so I could talk about that. So I don't know. Ozark and I, we're going to figure it out. So we do want you boys and girls to look out for that, our little bonus episode we're going to hook up for you guys on Halloween. Bonus! Yeah, bonus, A bonus. bonus! Yes, and in that, we'll rank all the Halloweens. And what's just really funny, Ozark... Uh-huh. Before we dive into this, yeah, there's become a trend on TikTok where everybody's been rating their favorite Halloween movie, because Halloween movies within the franchise, obviously, because the new one just dropped. Um, okay. Four and a half out of ten. Anyways, if that movie in particular, are, you know, it sparked this. And I called this episode months ago. I said, Ozark, I said, on our final little episode, we're going to rank each of the Halloween movies because I think people will get a real kick out of that. And now it's become a viral trend. And I've been wanting to, like, do it on TikTok. And I'm like, nope, I'm not fucking doing it, man. I promised the crowd. I promised our fans. We have to do it. But not before we do this one, brother. This is The Exorcist. The Exorcist. Exorcist. Brother, there aren't, I mean, as I stated in the intro, there aren't many movies that you can, um, we, we've talked a lot of horror movies, we've talked a lot of spooky things, and obviously everyone's favorite horror movie is subjective to them, but it's very rarely when we can talk about a movie that is claimed 
to be the best horror movie of all time. Now, is it? It's all personal opinion. Obviously, The Shining is in that conversation as well. We did that as well. But not every movie we talk about is going... Some people say this is the best. A lot of people say this is the best horror movie ever. I'm not saying they're right nor wrong. All I'm stating is that's pretty special for us to be able to kind of go in on that because regardless, I'm not trying to be too dorky or sappy about it, but our content will be out there for people to view and this is a huge movie, man. I mean, this is this may be somebody's only side opinion from their own that they've gotten from this movie. And that kind of means something to me. So all these people that have reached out to us and said, hey, man, never heard of this movie, never did this till you guys recommended it. And like, I love this movie now. Like, not trying to be weird, but that warms my heart. And I'm super excited for this. And I'm not just saying that. Like, I'm really pumped about this. And honestly... You and I have talked about this movie for decades, man. Like this is, I remember we, we used to do music. We would sample little clips from this movie. A lot to unpack with this. A lot to unpack. A lot to unpack. Yeah, this 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 uh, little piece of film here is 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 special. This really pushed it to the limit. I feel like when whoever created this movie. William um, Freakin and William Blatty, but William, we will dive into that. Right. Those two were sitting there playing, push it to the limit. <laughs> limit. <laughs> they pu- the they pushed it for sure. I mean, nowadays it's not very relevant because you've seen things like that. But still, like if you think about this back in 1973, this is on the screen. Some of the things that are done in this. Dude. You're like, oh my god! Like, Haven't been is... done since some of them. No, still no. Like I, this I... is this is. <laughs> I mean, this is fear. This is shock value. It has everything. The balls they had to make this wow. is insane. It you... really is. I was listening, dude, pre- preparing for our episode. Yeah, great book by the way, called Shock Value. Uh, Jason Zimmerman, I think, is the guy's name. Anyways, very crazy that you just said that because I listen. I was listening to the book earlier, but. Here is a question that you asked me two weeks ago when we did Evil Dead. You said, what's the difference between R and NC-17, right? What I figured out, Mark, is the rating systems have changed throughout the decades, and they just had different ones. And that was like, they're kind of the same thing, but it was just for a different time frame. Um, Not saying they didn't exist at the same time, but there were different ratings. Like some, like over in like Europe, like some of the places over there, like they had to have ratings by law. Like, over here, we had the ratings board would rate it, then the movie company would rate it, and obviously the movie company, like, yeah, Jaws is PG. Yeah. And it did get away with it. A few films got away with it. And <clears throat> at this time frame of The Exorcist, it was the X rating. Everybody's heard of the infamous X rating. And it didn't get it. And honestly, why, if I want to be really short with you, because there's a lot of theater actors in this movie, and they spent a lot of fucking money on it. And it's such a big picture that they weren't going to make this an X, because they just weren't going to do that to them. But what happened was, these people were like, guys, if you can have a movie with a prepubescent girl masturbating with a crucifix to the point she's bleeding, and that's not X... And then you proceed, <laughs> and then and then you proceed to put your mother's face into your bloody vagina. <laughs> yeah, that's not X, dog. Yeah, and, what is? I think X is like on the verge of porno. Sure, it has to be porno. Like because sure. they're not showing any penetration when she's. She, I mean, she's doing. She's stabbing their shit out of her. 
self with that crucifix, but you don't see anything like that. You know, I'm going to play this, uh, you know, obviously as we do every week, as if people haven't heard or seen this movie. Um, and if you haven't, guys, like seriously, it's that time of year where you need to. How have you? Ooh. Yeah, like even like... Do not- you li- <laughs> Have you lived under a rock? Oh my goodness, he sneezed. Have you lived under a rock like you haven't? I know you have at least heard of it. Every human being that is above the age of 12 still knows what the fuck this is. Yes. They have to. So a quick little synopsis, because you know what's actually really funny, Ozark? I know there are listeners like uh, my fiance's like, I know some of my fiance's cousins listen to this podcast every week. And I'm like, they do? I'm like, oh. I was like, do they? I don't know if they love horror movies, but our synopsis is probably really means something to some people is what I'm getting at. Oh yeah, so. sure, sure. Synopsis, <laughs> right. We gotta we gotta yeah, 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 do it. So, quick little story. We have Ellen Burstyn, she plays Chris McNeil, and she is a great mother, but she's also famous. She's an actress. She lives in Washington, DC, which is weird. Which actor lives in Washington, DC? Anyways, that we'll get to that later. Anyways, Chris McNeil, she lives alone well with like maids and servants but with her daughter it's her and her daughter the husband is gone she's a great mom this whole time they're building up this great reagan's like what 11 i don't know she's a sweet girl mom's sweet they're ha- just great scenes in this that that's what really makes it terrifying is how they build this it's a very slow build and generally i don't like that well, all of a sudden, Reagan starts to get a little sick. She starts to say off-color comments. She gets weird around house guests. She, I mean, she pissed on the floor at one point when uh, uh, Chris was having a party. <laughs> You're all going to die up there. I love you can tell there is not a father in that house because <laughs> one of your kids came out and just started pissing on the floor. I don't care if they're sick or not. Just stood there and started pissing on your carpet. What? Oh, no. fuck! Da- son or daughter. <laughs> he was like, what the fuck are you doing? Hey, oh, oh, oh! Somebody, <laughs> somebody's getting smacked. I would have picked her ass up. Throw her. I just thought that was Rubber funny. Rubber face in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Continue, please. She starts to get crazier and crazier, and she starts to see some doctors. Doctors have no answers. Then things start to get really wild, and the doctors start to recommend, like, hey, man, I don't know, but, like, you might need a priest. This is kind of weird. We think your daughter may be possessed. And she's like, what? Chris is not a a lady of faith. She doesn't attend church. She's, like, kind of not religious whatsoever. So that's weird to her. And honestly, I think that's what makes this movie so great is like the limitations of science. Like you're, you're someone you love is sick and there's no answers. Like you don't know what to do. Like that's a very terrifying thing. And then she she, she gets to the point where she's willing to do everything. And this is the 70s, so obviously people were uh, more religious. Well, turns out to be true. Her daughter Reagan is possessed with a demon, the demon of Pazuzu, who claims to be the devil himself. Two priests come over, have a final showdown, and have an exorcism. Uh, that That's your quick little synopsis. Now, if I could give you a synopsis on the impact really quick of this movie. came out, obviously, in the 70s. And if you think of what church was like back then, we've, we've said it many times. Like, you would get kicked out of church. You'd be shunned from your town. Like, you would have to move if uh, you did something wrong at your church. This really fucking meant something. So when this came out, there were all kinds of mixed reviews going on. 
and a lot of people didn't know how to take it. But in my opinion, this movie is the greatest advertisement for Catholicity ever. Like if you were a Catholic priest, you would want this movie because in my heart of hearts, now there's a lot of ambiguity to like the meaning and like the ending and William Freakin wanted that. That's his style of shooting. He likes kind of the question mark of like who won. But the writer of the book, William Peter Blatty, he's uber religious. And in his way, God wins. And that's the way I see this as well, too. And at the crux of this whole movie is the battle of someone's faith. And it's the priest, Father Karen. And this whole time, the dude's battling his faith. And like, I know not everyone is religious, especially in today's world. And I am a person of faith, but I'm not like a preachy kind of guy whatsoever at all. But man, you the level of acting in this, like from Jason Miller, is like fucking incredible. The guy that plays uh, Father Karras, you can see a man conflicted with his faith. He does it faith. He's like, I don't, I don't know if I should be a preacher or a priest anymore. And then this starts to go on and it brings him back into it. Oh, it's beautiful and it's brilliant. And if you're a person of religion, he wins. He doesn't make it to the end of this movie, but he wins. He defeats the devil. He takes him out with him, and the daughter is fine. So I think it's kind of silly if anybody of religious nature, A, would shun the film. Like, yeah, there are terrifying parts in it that you may just not, you don't want to watch that kind of vulgar stuff. But if you're going to say that, like, oh, this is satanic, I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong because as a person of faith, I like have a new appreciation for this movie, like as an adult, like seeing the levels of like, man, this guy's battling through it and everything are all into windows. Now, if you ask William Friedkin, he's a man of ambiguity. He'll say, not everything was meant to tie in together. It's just like an artist when you're like, hey, is this song about heroin? They're like, actually, I think it's about the depths of the culture of, you're like, all right, bitch, it's about heroin. Like, we're not stupid. Like, they're like, they get real John Lennon on you. And like, that's just kind of the nature of the artist. And like, I get that. But this whole movie ties in with the, like the whole time Father Karras is battling his faith, even before he sees Reagan at all. There's a, like his mother is very sick and you get the classic quotes of, Timmy, why'd you do this to me, Timmy? He puts her in like the, the mental ward. Um, but there's a part where he's about to get like, you know, he's, he's walking through the streets and like he goes on the subway and he sees this guy. And this guy's like a bum. He's laying like against this pillar and he says, Father, could you spare some change for an old altar boy? Can you, can you help an old altar boy? I, I'm a Catholic. And this guy's got a real creepy look to him. A lot of foreshadowing going on there. A lot of foreshadowing, kind of some foreboding going on where you're like, this. there's some creepy elements to this. Very cool. The, the opening of this movie is Father Marin. This is a priest who has done an exorcism before. You have no context to what's going on. You just see Father Marin and you see a guy who's nervous as fuck. He's like, in this place in Iraq where these people are doing like a dig, an archaeologist, uh, ar- what am I saying? Archaeolog- Archaeo- archaeologist? Is yeah, that a- okay. I don't know. Did I say it wrong? I, I don't fucking know, dude. But the, guy, the, the guys that dig up the bones. Yeah, um, they're, they're finding artifacts. Right. They're so, digging for artifacts. <laughs> That's a simple way to say it. Very neat scene. But Father Marin is in the mix of this, right? And then he finds this little something. It's like a little statue head. And... uh it's the statue of Pazuzu, 
And then, like, he finds a big statue of Pazuzu. And you don't really understand it, like, the first time you see it of what's going on. But it all ties in. A lot of foreshadowing. Father Marin ends up coming in at the end just to save. Because he's been, uh, he, he's done exorcisms before. Father Karras develops a relationship with Reagan after she becomes sick. And he start, he becomes the one that goes to his church leaders and says, hey, I, th- I think we might need an exorcism. And they say, okay, man. You need somebody that's got a little experience. So we're going to send shaky old Father Marin, who was played by Max Van Sido, uh, Sido, um, excuse me. And thi- if I could lay it down for you folks, like most of these people that were in this movie come from theater. This movie makes me want cigarettes so bad. There's so many scenes with coffee and cigarettes and just back in the great day, Back acting. in the day where priests were tough. They're walking around jogging like Rocky, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> smoking cigarettes, not giving a shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, there's a scene where Chris sees the father. She says, Father, do you have a cigarette? Like, when would you ever think to ask no. a priest for a cigarette? Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Never. It's such a nostalgia feeling. Oh, it's incredible, man. And if you're a fan of like great acting and just rich characters and like just there's something about like when you're watching a scene and there's no CGI and all it is is two people acting and they're crushing it. There's a lot of that in this movie. Yeah, this is the, I would cl- classify this as a piece of artwork. This is an actual film. It's shot great things in there you don't notice that make you feel a certain way just by the shots themselves. I've noticed that, too, in this movie is a lot, too. Absolutely. And I know that we have our, like, what-do-you-know topic, Mark, and, like, I could lace this with, like, 24 what-do-you-knows when we get into there. So I'm going to lay a couple out just just as, like, common sense. But, like, this, as you and I are music people, there's a great documentary, by the way, called The Leap of Faith. Excuse me, on Shudder. And I I think you guys, uh, some of you horror nerds have maybe seen that, but... The music in this was all meant to be different and a build. Uh, William Friedkin often says he likes music that's slow and then it builds its way up. And he does that within his movies too, but also with his sound. So that opening like, when the movie starts, it's somebody's wet finger over a wine glass. And that's what starts that like opening shot. I used to do that all the time. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. There's There's a scene where Father Marin, like I just said, he's he's like archaeologist. Arc, what the fuck? Arc, what is Excavate, it? Excavate. I don't know. Just say digging for artifacts. Archaeologist? Yes. That's the per- Archaeology. They're digging, right? So he's brushing this little statue head off, and he finds Pazuzu. And the score, what William Freakin did was he put, like, a fly inside, like, a bucket over the microphone. So you just heard this fly, like, it's very faint. And yeah. you don't notice it unless someone tells you. But next time you watch that scene where he's clearing that off, you hear the fly. There's also parts where you hear pig squeals. He was very innovative with the score. He did all kind of wild shit, man. You are very correct. It's a piece of art, man. It's Not just... to mention just <laughs> you can't go past the score itself. Oh, the this tubular bells. This is the most famous riff of – is that on piano? 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 Yeah. yeah. Like if I had to pick a song – to learn organ. on a piano or organ, it would be this. It's sick. Oh, dude, it's so n- sick. You top know score of the world here. Top score. Top score of the world here. And you know that was like a real song. Like a dude actually just made that, and then like they picked it for the movie. No. Like 
really crazy because I, I saw it was like on, I don't know this was years ago maybe like on Facebook or something just seeing like a video and it was like a dude playing a song I'm like what the fuck is this and it said tubular bells this was this guy's song and then it like they used it for the movie hmm. I said wow well, the movie definitely took that over stole his thunder yeah it's the exorcist song <laughs> yeah, yeah no, it's dude's ex- probably pissed it's every time he hears it that's tubular bells I, I made, made this. I made that shit they screwed <laughs> me over it's incredible, dude. All and, and I like how they use cold colors, like cold. Uh, it was there was a realism to it because of all this rich acting, and it's a build the whole time. You feel this dread and doom coming. You feel something coming. You see these people in peril, and I think this movie is get, gets another resurgence now. Back in the day, it was more of taboo because a lot more people were religious, but. I know a lot of people who aren't religious who love horror movies that are like possession or like, you know, religious horror movies just because they think it's sweet looking. But man, can you put yourself... I like that they made Chris McNeil like, you know, uh, agnostic or she just didn't have any belief because that makes it scarier. If she was a Christian, a devout Christian, it would be weird. But like, she's not at all. So she has to like believe it now. Yeah, that makes it the most... That's what the biggest fear part of it is, is that it can happen to anyone. You don't have to believe in it or not. It can happen. This can happen to anyone. And we have real ex, real exorcisms case. Now, whether they're real or not, I don't know. But there are some, there are other real cases of this. There's footage of it and stuff. Mm-hmm. If it, it can happen to you, and, and there's a real fear about that. This is based on either some people's uh, life, which is the Bible, or, on the other hand, the people that don't believe is America's favorite theatrical prop, number one selling book. Whether you are a person of faith or not, it's still in the back of your mind yeah. that this could possibly be stuff. Because you may not believe in like Jesus, Christian, but, Jesus yeah. but you believe in ghosts. You watch ghost shows and shit. You believe in ghosts. You believe in something supernatural. You dig that shit. So this, can, this affects everybody in some way, shape, or form. It's so powerful that how many exorcism movies do we have now? Like twenty five, I mean, thirty of yeah, them. There's a all lot kinds, of them. all kinds of branches, over, over from this. Yeah, man. I just, in my opinion, like, even if it's like a ghost or like like a corporeal kind of thing, where it's like an actual human body, like we have in this movie. Um, not everyone can buy it, but like, man, you kind of do ask yourself, like, what the hell would I do? Because yeah. I'm not religious, and I think that almost makes it scarier. Well, see your loved one like that, helpless. It's that, again, that's the fear of helplessness. You can't, you're helpless. Like, you can't do anything about it. Dude's battling faith. You have limits of science. Like, you're like, dude, like, where do we go? I like how the, at first, though, they're like, well, I mean, you know, there's there's advances in science. Nobody's done exorcisms in forever. It's probably some mental illness. As far as mental illness, schizophrenia and stuff, you know, they, they, they be real about it. They don't just jump on it like, oh, you need an exorcism at first. No, they try to debunk the shit. Right. Like any noise. This is how that situation would go in real life, I believe. All, for, everything they went through, it would be exactly like that. Exactly like that. And for the people who really don't give a fuck, like who are like, man, this doesn't scare me at all. Because I've heard both arguments. Obviously, if you have something that claims to be the best, you're going to have counter arguments. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's your favorite sports team, if it's the Bible or a movie, uh, uh, an album. <laughs> There's going to be the contrarian. So... I've heard people say, like, ah, oh, you know, only thing I heard was, you know, heard to say a bunch of cuss words, this and that. Like, it wasn't that freaky. And it's like, man, it's freaky on all different elements. Like, 
even if you don't believe in any of that shit, when they're putting her through the medical test, that fucking throat scene where they put a needle through her throat, ah. that that hurts people who don't care. Like, <laughs> yeah. Everyone doesn't like that. No one likes that. <laughs> no. That is uncomfortable. You're like, hey, oh, hey. Hey, that's not ow. Some people don't want don't want to watch the projectile vomit. Like they don't get squeamish. Like you know, it's got everything. Yes. Yeah, so like, not only do you have like, uh, you know, if you're a religious person and you want something that makes you, because uh, I, I am, and I like, I mean, I don't. It may it'll make you proud to be a Catholic. Yeah, or at and least I, you I know you're free. Yeah, and I wouldn't even say like obviously like I say like I'm not like a too too preachy of a person, but I do love the whole aspect of like because I, I do think I mean people live in a spiritual battle. Just my personal opinion, um, you know, there's goods and evils, and I think that like seeing a human being like ask themselves like on on screen almost like, am I going like fucking crazy or like what is going on? Like that's just a beautiful thing, man. They didn't. They, there was no fantasy. There was no flashbacks. This was a straightforward picture the whole time. Now, I cannot not talk about... So what happened is William Peter Blatty, he wrote this book. He wrote this book, and William Peter Blatty is an individual who is religious. He definitely had upbringings in that, so he like believed the nature of this. Obviously, it was very uh, risque. There were some vulgar things, but he believed in what he wrote. Apparently, he took a bunch of uppers. He went into a cabin, wrote this fucking story, right? I need some uppers. Right. He went a lot of places to try to get a director to make this movie. He tried Peter Bogdanovich. He's, I mean, he tried a lot of people. He even tried Stanley Kubrick. There were quite a few people they went to to make this movie. And everybody said, nah, it's not for us. It's just another horror picture. They ended up, you know, with, with William Freakin, uh, who, <laughs> who made this happen. And uh, William Freakin is not religious. So... There's a beautiful thing in this movie because William Freakin wanted the ambiguity. He didn't want it, want to know who won. But William Peter Blatty had more advantage as a writer than most writers do on their story. He was very well involved. He was the producer. So it was a kind of a battle between the both of them because Friedkin did not want to make... He said oftenly, he says, I, I'm not here trying to make a commercial for the Catholicism. I don't care. There was a little monologue that was in the book that they did not use in the movie where it really explained why the devil picked them. And William Freakin didn't want that. He liked kind of the randomness. It could pick anybody. And you can kind of see the conflictions on screen, and it's one of those beautiful acts of serendipity where it just happened that way, where they both have their image on film, and it's beautiful. And William Freakin was a young, wild director, man. He did a lot of crazy shit, real renegade stuff that you couldn't do now. There's a scene where um, Father Karras, after he meets with Reagan and he records her voice and she says all this demonic shit, he takes it back and he's like analyzing it in his little lair. And it's getting heightened. He's getting like kind of freaked out listening to it. And the phone rings and it scares the shit out of him. Well, William Freakin on the set fired a fucking rifle. And that's why he looks like that. So when you look at him, look at that phone, like, that's because William Freakin just shot a goddamn gun, like, fucking four feet from his head. That's brilliant, though. <laughs> I mean, you're going to get the best reaction ever Yes, doing that. And I'll also give you another, uh, you know, 
Jason, Jason Miller, the guy who played Father uh, Karras, there's a lot of things I can break down here for you. Number one, number one, they did not, he was not the first actor for this. It was Stacy Keach. Do you remember, uh, there's a lot of movies with this dude in it. Uh, do you remember American History X? Yes. Do you remember like the main uh, skinhead dude, like the old guy that was in the office that uh, dude was afraid his little brother was hanging out with him. He's like, no, nah, don't go hang out with that guy anymore. They're bad. Yeah. Like that guy, he was also in body bags. He's the guy where his hair kept growing. That's Stacy Keach. He was a very renowned actor at that time frame. They had him signed up to play Father Karras. <clears throat> well, what had happened was Jason Miller hit up William William Freakin, and he says, look, this is me. This is my role. Jason Miller was a priest. He did do that, and he kind of fell from it, and then he, he, he went another way, and obviously he, he fell out of the fatherhood or whatever the fuck you call it. He's like, dude, this role is me. This is me. He had a little play going on, uh, league, uh, something of champions. I forget what the hell it was called. Almost nothing to do with like paranormal and exorcism shit, but it was about a guy who lost his faith. And he told Freak, and he says, look, I am this guy. You got to try me out for it. And he says, dude, we got Stacy Keach. He says, no, I, I, I don't need you. I don't need you. I do not want you. And he says, like, no, 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 no. Like, I, I, I am this guy. I'm going to do it. He says, look, dude, if you want to fly out here on your own dime, yeah, I'll shoot it for you, and I'll hand you the fucking videotape when we're done, and you can give it to your grandkids as a souvenir. He says, okay. He did that, and obviously he crushed it. They brought Ellen Burstyn out, and uh, uh, William Freakin' says, yo, he told everybody else, like, I, I, this is the guy. And they're like, no, 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 we have Stacy Keach. And he says, nope, we're not doing it. They had to pay Stacy Keach in full, pay him off <laughs> to get this dude. And like, I'm so thankful because like, I don't think Jason Miller um, could be replaced in this movie. I think he is such a big part of this. Father Karras's role is fantastic in this. I mean, Marin, Marin's great too, but I really think this whole movie, the crux of it, is Father Karras. It's his whole face or his whole his faith. Father Karras just battling it the whole movie, all movie. It's him. It's in my opinion, the movie is all about him, and I don't think the devil or the demon really wanted Reagan. I think she was just the vessel to get to him, and that's my opinion. That's my opinion. Very interesting opinion. I very much believe it. Mm-hmm. Now that I think about it. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. that I think about it. Yeah, dude. There's. There's so much I could tell you. There is so much you can tell me, so why don't you fucking tell me already, huh? to the what do you know here this is a segment here where we're here to tell you something that you may or may not know about this movie now if this is your first time here you're gonna know what we know but if you don't know what we know you're about to find out what we know and then we're gonna know together if you already know what we know well guess what you're gonna hear it again because this is the what do you know we're here to tell you that's something that you may or may not may know not about know. this book <laughs> 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 Knock it off. All right, here we go. So, why don't you 
because I know you got a lot of facts here. <laughs> Why don't you tell me something that you may or may not know about this movie? Look, I'm having a fun. The Exorcist. The Exorcist. Look, 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 look. I, I'm having a love affair over here. Okay, we're talking about Jason Miller. Yeah. Right? We just talked about him, how great of an actor he is. You know who, who his son is? It's... There's a great vampire movie that we talk about. We've had a movie on this. We had an episode on this, I should say. And they said this guy's name a million times in The Lost Boys. You remember? Michael. Michael. You're right. Michael. That's his son in real life. Jason. That's his son. Yeah, Jason Patrick. This is... He came from his dick yeah. into a vagina, went yeah. into an egg. <sighs> he was born. He played with the Legos or whatever. And now he's Michael. Yeah, he's Michael. Michael. He's Michael now. He was Michael now. He's Michael now. Well, good for that guy. Yeah. What, a, what a fact. I didn't know that. That's J Yeah, that's Jason Miller's it's little boy. It's a small world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know if that's why he went by Jason Patrick, because that's a stage name, but like he has the same name, so I don't know if you didn't want to do the junior. I don't know if there were differences. I don't know nothing about nothing. All I know that that's his boy. And if you look at him, you could definitely see that that's his boy. Like, if you look at Michael from The Lost Boys and you look at Father Karras, that's, you know, that's his daddy. There's no there's no doubt about it. Why don't you tell me something you know? Oh, yeah, what, what, no doubt about it. Okay, I know something about this movie. All right, so, you know, uh, Karen? No, not Karen. Regan. Re <laughs> Reagan. Reagan, yeah. sorry. Reagan. I know what I'm talking about. Leave me alone. So, Reagan, girl. Yeah, little Wasn't baby. originally supposed to be played by Linda Blair. Linda Blair did a great job. She, she did, did a great, great job. job. Oh, yeah, fantastic. I mean, that's a lot to ask for a child to do things like oh, that. Wait, crazy. I mean, good for you. But it wasn't going to be Linda Blair. It was going to be... Have you ever heard of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Oh, I love that movie. I love that movie. I it was originally supposed to be Violet, the girl who played Violet. The little girl who turned into the blueberry. Yeah, you know, or if you've never seen Willy Wonka, you've seen a parody on Family Guy when he's in there and he's glowing up and he's like, hey, shut up, Wonka. That person. The blew up like the blueberry. Yeah, she blew he up like a blueberry. They rolled, a, they rolled it down and she was gone. Yeah, well, I don't know how many parents would let their kids play in this movie. Not many. Not many, yeah. Depends on what the paycheck is. Yeah, no shit, no Depends shit. Depends on what the paycheck is, because you know that girl ain't going to... You, because you, a parent, you're a legal guardian, you take all the money. Look, now, I do know Linda Blair. Linda Blair, she went through a little bit of trouble. I mean, a little bit of trouble. She had history, like, uh, it, she was like a Vietnam veteran when she came back. Like, people treated her like she was really the devil. And, like, it was hard for her. I know she got, like, uh, a little into the party scene. It was kind of hard for her, a hard transition. But I am happy that she seems like she's doing really well now. So That's good. I'm happy it was Linda Blair. Yeah, good for her. Yeah, me good too. for her. You know anything else about this movie? Yeah, yeah, oh, I do. Of course you fucking do. Now here's something really crazy. I talked to you about all this drama. So like William William Peter Blatty, the producer, but also the writer of the book, like I stated, they were looking for a director for a long time, a long, long time. Well, eventually, he had a production company to help him out. I think it was Warner Brothers. Yeah, it was Warner Brothers, right? So, Warner Brothers, they, behind his back, made a deal with somebody else. I'm not remembering the guy's name. Uh, it's going to slip my mind. But this guy, he did like Butch Cassidy. Ooh. The Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. They made a deal behind William Peter's back to get this guy to be the director. And William, William Peter Blatty had an idea about it because he says, you know, I think I'm going to get William Freakin. 
He knew he had an idea he wanted to try him, but he thought that Warner Brothers wronged him and made a deal with somebody else. So he went to that somebody else's office, broke in it, not broke in it, but he tricked his secretary to get into his office, and he did some Watergate shit. He was flipping through drawers, all kind of shit, to see if he could find anything about this, to see if he had made a deal. Well, sure as shit enough, he did. He found the contract for the deal that they made, and then he made a little copy of it, and he sent it to Warner Brothers, and he says, hey, I caught you. I know what you're doing. So they had to fire that guy, and they brought in William Freakin, and then that's how they got William Peter Blatty to be the producer. It's not often the writer of the book becomes the producer, and he did that because he broke the law. So sometimes crime pays. Hey. That's pretty fucking interesting. Holy shit. It is, shit. dude. He, like, he cared that much about his book where he's like, fuck this. My I'm going to break into this um, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to find out. <laughs> That's some like female investigative shit if they think oh, you're cheating yeah. on them or something. They'll go. Oh, yeah. Good I mean, that was some next level skills. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Wow. That's a lot of interesting things. Yes. So now you know some more things about this movie here. You're welcome. Yes. Ozark, Mark, it kind of almost feels like a, a crime to go thus far and not mention Dick Smith's name. We've mentioned Tom Savini on the show. We've mentioned Rick Baker. We've mentioned Greg Nicotero, um, you know, and his KMB effects. We've mentioned many legendary people, but they all give thanks to Dick Smith. Dick Smith was an innovator of special effects. I'm not saying he was the first, but with this movie and other things that Dick Smith did, it inspired people. Now, Rick Baker kind of was, you know, was with him a little bit as well, and that's how that kind of kicked off. You remember he did American Werewolf in London. <clears throat> but Dick Smith and the makeup he did in The Exorcist was incredible because they made it look like it progressed as Reagan got worse and it looked like a gangrene kind of uh, self-inflicted injuries that, dude, I mean, from the head spin to the spider walk to the blood to everything, it was, it still looks creepy. It still looks fucking weird. When Reagan's lifting off that bed and her, her eyes roll back and that face, dude, she's creepy now. And I'm not just saying that because I like horror movies. That's a freaky scene. Yeah. He also is responsible <clears throat> for making Captain Howdy. And Captain Howdy is like the name of the demon she was communicating with on the Ouija board. But there are flashes of him that you see throughout the movie. More so like after the 2000 edition. But that was Dick Smith's first makeup still that he sent Friedkin. And he's like, I don't really like it. Kind of looks like makeup. Like it doesn't look like what I want Reagan to be. So they just kind of kept it. And then eventually down the line, they like played with it as a flash. And they're like, holy shit, dude, this is one of the scariest things ever. And he's like, yeah, that's how I want it to be. Just real, you know, vague. Dick Smith, two thumbs up, golf clap, uh, chef's kiss, uh, uh, throw roses at the guy's feet. That guy did a lot for this fucking industry. And he created something that was incredible. Incredible. Now, I do want to also mention Ozark. There is a lot, like, you're going to ask people, 
if you ask people about this, The Exorcist, they'll say, oh, people were fainting in the theaters. There was a big, you know, a lot of, a lot of hoopla behind it. And there was. There was a lot. But there was a lot of press behind this as well. William Freakin sent ambulances to the theaters to sit outside while the movie was playing. A little bit of a, you know, PR stunt, if you will. Not saying that people didn't go into those ambulances because things happened, because people were nervous. There are dramatic people in this world. We all know those people that are, oh, everyone knows one. Everyone knows one. <laughs> you know, there's always one. You're like, will you shut the hell up? Like, you want to not believe horror movies all the time that there's not people like that, but you know goddamn well that there is always that person. Yep, there is. <laughs> like, real life. There <laughs> is. <laughs> there's always that stupid ass uh, <laughs> that's like that. <laughs> I very much appreciate that. I like how that's um, not only with the fucking makeup, Mark, not only with the intensity of how they laid it down to you. There's just a beautiful um, a tone, I guess is what I'm saying. There's a beautiful tone to all of this. And man, it's just super fucking rich, just incredibly rich. The effects are nuts. Honestly, Mark, I don't know if it's the best horror movie of all time, but if you say it is, I'm not mad. No. I'm not, like, mad at you. If you say, hey, man, Exorcist is the best goddamn horror movie to ever exist, and you know it, I wouldn't say, like, yeah, but I'd be like, you know what, man? I can't say shit to you, because, like, you know. You make a good point. You do, dude, because it's a movie. Like, it's an actual movie. Yeah. It is. I think Seen Seen by everybody, not just horror fans, everybody. Yeah, your mom's seen this. Oh, yeah. Your neighbor's seen it. Mm-hmm. Grandma's seen it. Yeah. Dude, that, that's that's a testament to itself. But a lot of that PR stunt, like I was mentioning, um, it was done for the film. And then also, I know Shudder did a thing like a Cursed Films episode on this. And I'm not saying there wasn't weird things to happen, but like this movie was made over a year and a half. So like if like an actor if somebody in an actor's family dies over a year and a half, how much of that's just like kind of coincidence versus like, you know, this is actually cursed. So I'm a man of faith. I don't know if the film was necessarily cursed, but I know that William Freakin knew how to sell sizzle and he knew how to create a little drama and kind of stir it up. As a matter of fact, before the movie was made, William Peter Blatty, like all the like masturbation with the crucifix, all the like, you know, cuss words and dirty shit, it was in the book, but when he wrote it for the movie, he like kind of took a lot of that shit out. And then like Friedkin read it and he was like, yo, this is a piece of shit. Where's your book? This isn't your book. He says, you need to put that back and I'm gonna shoot it just like that. And Freakin's like, are you sure? Like, Blatty was like, are you sure kind of thing? He's like, yeah, 100%. He's like, I'm not, this is it. This is it. Now, as a producer, Ozark, Mark, I will ask you, William Freakin got his start, and he was obsessed. Now, I don't want to say obsessed, but he loved Alfred Hitchcock. Now, Alfred Hitchcock is known for being more style than substance, like, I'm not the hugest Hitchcock fan. I liked him more when he had like Alfred Hitchcock Hour and he was kind of like the let me tell you about the spooky stories. Like I like that stuff. But he was more style than anything. A lot of style. So freaking kind of adapted to that. And he likes that. He has a lot. So there's a scene, obviously, when Father Karras gets thrown out of the window. You see 
a third person, like you see him come out of the window, but then it goes to a first person shot as he's rolling down the stairs, then back to an outside view. There's a lot of cut sceneries that make you remind you of like, you know, in Psycho, we talk about the bathtub scene, like you don't actually see him stabbing her. It's like 30 different scenes kind of compiled like short little images compiled together and it creates terror. So I didn't know if you kind of noticed that as a person, like, hey, with the Captain Howdy shots, but there's a lot of, and I usually am not a fan of that. Like, I want it, I want to see everything, but I think it looks beautiful in this. Well, it does. I mean, for that that <clears throat> scene, for instance, you're seeing it from, you're getting every angle. You're seeing the complete story. You're seeing it from the outside of the window. You're seeing it from his point of view. You're seeing it from the stairs. You're getting everything, and it makes you feel a certain way. There's one. It's now, cohesive. There's one, there's one thing like building that suspense. It's a great scene. I'll reference this to, which I've noticed it. And there's things that you don't notice it, but simple camera angles and camera shots can make you feel a certain way versus anything. So it's the it's the scene where Lieutenant Kinderman and um, he's my favorite dude. Oh, he is. He's such the typical detective cop. He's. It, I love Kinderman. He's the best, but it's him and the, and the mom. Um, 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 Chris McNeil, played by Chris, Ellen Burstyn. Yes, yes, right. I'm sorry, dude. I don't, I don't know. You no, you're know. fine. I'm a nerd. What are you gonna do? So they're sitting there at the table and they're talking. That's my favorite scene in yes. the movie. Now it starts off just a little bit of a wide shot. You're a little bit far away from them. Things aren't as intense. And when they start getting more intent, more intensive, and more to the story of what they're speaking of, you get closer to them. You're still at the same shot, but you're now closer. Like, you're getting in on it. Like, oh, So shit. much tension. So much tension. But then when they stop, you're right back out. Yeah, there's It goes a- back out. And then you feel re- you feel relieved just like you would because you're not all up in them. It's little things like that that they do. He's, like, interrogating her because a guy was thrown out of uh, Reagan's window. Or what they believe. A guy died. Like, the girl that – or the guy that was Chris was dating. This guy fucking died. And uh, he was, like, thrown down those stairs, which happens to be conveniently out her window. And the cop, like, doesn't know what happened. He doesn't think that his daughter did it, but he's, like, very, like, carefully playing around the question. And the scene is so tense. And it's my favorite scene in the movie because there's a part of great hospitality, by the way, just coffee, cigarettes. And there's a part, like, nowadays when somebody says, what are you about to do later? That means it's time to go. Like if some, if like you yeah. and I were hanging out, and it was about time to go. And you're like, all right, so what are you gonna do later? That means, all right, I'm gonna get out of here. He like, said, she said, she says, can I get you a drink? And that's pretty much. In those days, most people, you know, no, I'm okay. I think I'm actually gonna get out of here. And he says, can I get you a coffee? Or yes, please. <laughs> and like. She does it obviously, but you see the tension in her face because he's not leaving. There are like quiet moments like that that are fucking beautiful now i also have to mention too because there's a lot that i could really go in on this but the voice of reagan it obviously once she becomes a demon it changes a little bit obviously well there was a little bit of issue with that because uh, Friedkin was a big fan of radio. I mean, he's an old guy. I mean, he's older, so he was used to radio dramas, and he had this guy that he liked a lot, and he brought him in to do the voice. And he's like, man, you got a great voice, but it's just not working because, uh, quite frankly, you're a guy, and she's not a guy. And he's like, well, I can't have it be a woman either. So what they were able to do is they brought somebody that sounded like both, and it was an old actress named Mercedes McCambridge, 
and she did a lot of old westerns, a lot of old things. And she came into the movie and she said she would do it. But she says, look, I've been an A, like Alcoholics Anonymous for a long time. I don't drink. I don't do anything. If you want me to do this role, I'm going to have to drink and I'm going to have to smoke and I'm going to have to drink raw eggs. And he's like, okay, you don't, you don't have to do that. I, I just want your voice. And she says, no, I'll do this, but this is what I have to do. And she says, I'm also going to bring two uh, priests of that are my friends and they're going to be with me every time I'm recording and you're going to give them a little bit of money for their church. And he's like, all right. And you can hear it, man. She has this like, and they layered it with Linda Blair's voice as well. And it, it's a wonderful day for an exorcism. Like, dude, the voice is just beautiful. It's brilliant. It's, it's creepy. It's, it's amazing. And it's just weird. You wouldn't think that that's like two different people's voice layered on one. And you definitely wouldn't think raw legs, bourbon, and cigarettes were like the... <laughs> that's, that's 1972, 73, man. That stuff ain't easy to do. I'll tell you what. And like she was an old broad at that point. She did like old cowboy pictures. And like, man, I tell you, them old broads, like I love Lucy, like Lucille Ball, man, they were smoking filterless camels and drinking bourbon. Them girls were tough, dude. They smacked the shit out of you. Like them were some tough broads. And they were gorgeous. Like, you know, <laughs> like, I think that's so interesting how that can happen. Now, Ozark. What? Can I get to the thing that I love the most? And that's, I want to hear a little tidbit of how old a person has to be to watch this movie. Okay. 18. <laughs> Go by the rating. Straight up. This is very short and simple. Go by the rating of a suggestion. It should be 18. I'm even curious, not almost not wanting to say 18 because this is this this is scared of grown adults. This will scare grown adults, but at least in 18 you you're you're of the age of what they recommend. If you got some teenage boys and they're watching it by themselves, they're probably like okay, but I don't know how often you would like to watch a teenager masturbate with a crucifix in front of your child. So like no. keep that in mind. Eighteen <laughs> straight up. I like that, Mark. I yeah. like that. Yeah, that's a quick short one. I I do appreciate that. I don't there's not much to say, honestly. <laughs> if watch the movie, you'll know why you have to be at least eighteen to watch it. Now I'm, you know what I'm curious about. Uh, what, I would say about seven inches. It's kind of girthy, girthy. You know, that's that's cute. I would say like a more of like a, I don't know, like a forty-five degree angle. I'm not, I'm not a ninety degree, or I'm a forty-five, or which works well because it hits the spots. Apparently, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I'm not blessed with a lot of things, but that's great. Let's rate it. Oh. You, welcome to the rating. This is the moment you all have been waiting for. Christian Ramey's going to rate this horror movie. Not as a movie in general, but as a horror movie. So keep that in mind when this rating is going. Now we're going to do it in a series of four categories. Three categories were three points. Last categories was, was last categories worth 1.4, a total of. 10 points altogether. I fucked it up. What are you going to do here? No big deal. No big deal here. So let's go on to the first category here in the Sloppy Horror Podcast rating, and that is Kills. It's not. It's casting. It's casting. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Nope. It's casting. Go. Casting. If I could give this a five out of three, I would, but I know you won't let me. You can't do that. I can't That's do That's not how the system works. These people are rich actors from theater. Like, I don't think, uh, when you're talking about casting in horror movies, 
this is in the top five, maybe number one. I'm, I mean, that's all subject to opinion, but this is top five casted horror movies. Not even a question. This is up there with The Omen. This is up there with those just like, holy shit, these people are incredible on screen. Three, not even thinking about it. Three. I'd give it five if I could. Three. Very good. I mean, enough said, huh? But you don't need to say anything more. Perfect explanation. Obviously, everybody knows the casting is three out of three for sure. It's a given. I agree with you 100%. Let's go on to the next category here because we got three out of ten in the Sloppy Horror Podcast rating. That is kills. Now. I got it right this time. You did. Mark, I can't give it a three. I can't give it a three because it is not a three in kills. But there are kills in this movie. We have, th- what, three deaths in this movie. What's the third one? So we have the first one, which is the guy who's off screen, but he died. He got thrown out. And got oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, 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 And the other two priests got it. And then the priest died. The fact that the priest died, this sent a message. And um, this is such a rich horror movie, and it deserves such a good score. I absolutely am going to give it a two. Because... Really? You, yeah. You don't have a wide variety. No. You don't have a wide variety. But what you do have is the impact of these kills. And you were able to kill two faithful servants of God as the devil. Those kills rank high to me. And also this movie is going to get a little give me. It's going to get a little more give me. It could, could it be a one and a half? Yes, it absolutely could. But this is the fucking exorcist. And I'm giving it a two. It's not a perfect in kills. But you will have kills in this. And there's enough fear and there is enough death in it for you to say, okay. Now, I know some of you will scratch your head and question this. But at the end of this rating, it will make sense. It will make sense because this is the goddamn exorcist. This is the goddamn exorcist. Not a three. Not a three. Okay, a two. We'll go with the two. All right. I trust your judgment, Christian Mm Ramey. That's five out of ten. Third category. Final three point. Fear. Yeah, fear. That that is fear. Go. Now it's scary. Then it was scary. Some people that aren't af- don't have faith aren't afraid of it because they're you know the old if you're not afraid of the or if you don't believe in the devil how would you be afraid of it? But there are people who aren't as we mentioned don't have faith that would be terrified of this. The makeup, the character build, just alone, even if there was no demon, if you just had your child who was sick and you don't know how the fuck to take care of her, that's fucking goddamn terrifying. The Exorcist is one of the scariest movies to ever be invented, to ever be fucking made. Like, not a maybe about it. This is a three for fucking sure. Now, because it's, it, there's many layers of it. You have the man battling his faith. You have the mother caring for her daughter. You have just Reagan in general, who's scary. You have, you know, the the other Father Marin, who's dealing with a, a lifelong battle with this fucking demon, and the demon takes his ass out. You don't see that, but, like, the intensity is why I gave that a two out of three. They don't just casually die. It's not just like, a, ah, they're dead, blood on the wall. No, dude, like, they, like, you don't think they're going to die, almost. Like, in, in your heart of hearts, you're like, man, movies, they got to win, right? They got to live. No, they don't, bitch. They're going to die. And, like, that's that's mainly, like, kind of, it's fear was tied in a tad bit with those kills. I'm giving this a three hands down, brother. Like, I, it delivers. That's a tree. That is eight out of ten. Going on to the final one-point category in this uh, Sloppy Horror podcast rating that everybody loves so much is Christian Ramey. Fuck with this movie. 
Yes, Ozark, Mark. And that's why this is a 9 out of 10 altogether. I am so shocked. If I gave this an 8 out of 10, I wouldn't be able to sleep at nighttime, Mark. No. I, I no. wouldn't be able to sleep. So that's where that kills really came into. And it's a little gimme system. It is a little bit of a gimme, but I'm really only giving it a half a point. I really would have fairly give it one and a half, but and it's not for variety. Definitely for the intensity because and who they killed. Like if you kill the president in a movie, like that ranks a little bit higher because it's like that's a person of power. Like you didn't like if you kill fucking <clears throat> Thanos, that's crazy because he's like powerful. If you just kill like a, a a Power Rangers killing a putty, not a big deal. They're dumb little bitches. Like they don't matter. You can kill twin of them and they equal one person. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's why your rating makes so much sense. So and that's I, why you're you. You're good. You. You're, you're good, good. You're good. You. That's why you're you and you're good. Thank you. Nine out of ten, brother. Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten for the Exorcist. Top tier horror movie. And I know some people say, why is it not a fucking ten? Um. There's not as much, like, brutality, but I tell you, there is a lot of blood. But sometimes <clears throat> blood and gore, if it doesn't relate with a death, we put that in fear. And once again, I'd give that a four out of three on fear just because the imagery, the frightening, but we can't. So kind of worked its way into the kills. It's If you're a person going in looking for brute violence... You're not necessarily going to see it a lot there, but this movie is a mind fuck. If you're at all religious or if you're at all open to the idea of ghosts and whatever, holy shit, dude. Yeah, if you've never seen it before, holy shit. Have, get ready. Get ready. 100%. 100%. So anyways, uh, Christian, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for this movie. This is such a great horror movie, and it's so well done. And mm -hmm. After everything we've talked about, I appreciate it even more because you told me a sh buttload of facts that I don't even know. And you haven't even done the tip of the iceberg. You could probably go on a YouTube live or go live and talk about this movie more. For another hour. I Easy. think they could. So he might do that. So keep on okay. keep an eye out for that, boys and girls, if you didn't get enough, just like I did. I, 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 cannot, I, I cannot complete, though, really quick, though, Mark. Before, like, just really quick, what's your favorite scene? Scary, not scary? I don't care. What would be the scene? All right, we got five minutes left. I'll tell you real quick. Okay, when she goes, when she goes to the doctor for the first time, or yes. not, I don't think it's the first time. It's one of the times when the demon starts speaking and she starts getting a little vulgar. Yeah, and the and the doctor comes in. He goes. Your daughter's got a very colorful vocabulary, <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> and she's like, well, what should she say? He's like, the, the doctor's like, no, it's it's different or whatever he says and she's like but just tell me he goes she said get your fingers away from my cunt <laughs> <laughs> yes i laugh so hard at that part it's the favorite oh well, i, I very yours? much like the lieutenant and and ellen burston in that scene uh when you know that was he was implying like hey man we're trying to figure out what happened to this guy but like from the look of it he came right the fuck out your daughter's window so i'm just saying it's strange but you know what i loved about that character mark hmm. and they kind of reprised this in the exorcist 3 with the priest he loves movies. Like the whole time, he's telling people, like, you know, I he, know that poor guy. He's just trying to find somebody to go to the movies with him, and nobody <laughs> wants to go. <laughs> just, the whole time, he says, like, four people. Nobody just go see the movie with the man. It'd probably be a good night. He's a nice guy. He'll probably share popcorn with you. Oh my god, I want to see a movie with that guy. That uh, guy just seems like such a nice guy. So I very much appreciated his character because he's not, even though he was prying, mm -hmm. 
rightfully so. He's trying to figure out what's going on. He's like, this dude's dead. But since she was an actress and he was like all humbled to ask for her autograph and he's like, it's for my daughter. She's like, okay, what's her name? And he's like, I lied. It's for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love he's that. He's such a charmer. You can't hate the guy. Even though he's investigating you and trying to pin a murder on you, man, he's charming. Can't yes. hate him. It's one Good of stuff. <laughs> Good stuff. Well... What a fun episode it was, Ben Christian Ramey. What a movie, man. What but a movie. this is time we have to say goodbye to you. So do you have any final words, any news that you can sum up for the little boys and girls out there as they Okay, wait? yes. All right, hurry up. Real quick. Stop burping. What I'm are sorry. you drinking? The beer. You have stopped. You're, you're not drinking beer anymore. Okay, so. You are burping so fucking much. I'm sorry. I so, swear to God. It. If it's going to be a sewage burp... No, it's not. It's not. It it's better not, not be a sewage burp. No, it's not. It's just I carbonation will, I will leave. It's carbonation. It's a sewage burp. It's not, it's not that. All right, not what do you got to say? So, now, until Halloween, if you folks want to support the show, sloppyhorrorpodcast.com, all of our merchandise has free shipping on purchases over $20 if you use the promo code STAYSPOOKY. Holy shit, I didn't know that. Stay spooky. Why is nobody telling me these things? Ozark Marcus, you get free merchandise. I'm getting you your shirt, by the way, for your wife and all your stuff this weekend. So you're gonna you're gonna be in great shape. Whatever, there's great stuff on there actually, and it's not just him and I that are making it. We have great distributors, so please check that out. It helps and supports the show. Not to mention Ozark and I, we were always bullshitting about how we were gonna get on top of these conventions. We have a lot of conventions that are planned and booked out, especially your major ones, your horror hounds, uh, Days of the Dead, etc. We want to see you folks, so we're out to see you guys. Big plans coming. Stay in tune, and not to mention Halloween Day, we're going to have an episode for you where we rate all the Halloweens. It's going to be a little bit different of an episode. Obviously, we're not breaking down a movie. If you guys, I would prefer if you guys watch that on YouTube, but if you're just listeners, that'll be fine too. But we'll have that for you. I would say maybe a week or two, we'll be back with a new season. What will it be? You won't know, but we'll be out of the Halloween season. So we're going to get something to get you through your post-Halloween depression. We'll be back. We won't leave you hanging. We won't, folks. We can't do it. It's just it's what we do. So that's all I got. Ozark, anything special for the people? Anything you got to say? No. All right. Well, hey, folks, you have fun. Have a happy Halloween. Uh, brush your teeth. Floss your teeth, lots of candy. Almond joys are good. No, they're not, dude. They're horrible. (laughs)